Welcome to Tomb Est, a podcast by the SAC. You may know this by now, but if not, my name is Olivia Zwicky and I will be your host for this episode. Before I begin, I would like to acknowledge that UBC's Vancouver Point Grey campus is situated on the traditional, ancestral, unceded territory of the Musqueam people. I would also like to acknowledge that you are joining us today from many places near and far and acknowledge the traditional owners and caretakers of those lands. On this episode, I'm speaking with Rob Kim, a career strategist for the Faculty of Land and Food Systems at UBC. We'll be chatting about career development, networking, and some good ways to connect with UBC alumni. So without further ado, my conversation with Rob. Okay, hi everyone. I would like to welcome our guest today, Rob Kim. Thank you so much for being with us today, Rob. Thanks for having me. No problem. Do you mind telling us a bit about yourself before we get started and maybe what you do at UBC? Uh, yeah, I graduated with three degrees at UBC. So I'm, you know, I bleed the blue and gold for sure. Uh, and I've been working at UBC since 2016. I was a, a teacher before this, a science teacher. And uh, my current role is a career strategist. I support the Faculty of Land and Food Systems, but I also work with the Center for Student Involvement and Careers. There's a career education team. So we do a lot of the career education on campus, advising, webinars, mentorship, um, lots of great stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Um, why don't we just get right into some of the questions? Our first question is, uh, what are some good ways that students can go about finding and connecting with alumni in general, and especially those who are working in a potential field of interest? Because I know that's something I've struggled with is like, where do I even start? Yeah, it's a great question. And I I want to frame this entire conversation just very carefully. These are just going to be ideas and suggestions, because at the end of the day, I think the strategies, they have to work for you. And I, I always joke, joke about this. If I knew the best way to do this career stuff, I wouldn't be here. I'd be a billionaire because I, you know, I could sell that, right? So I want to be very clear. Um, anything I say should is in the context of like, this is maybe what I've done or best practices. But at the end of the day, hopefully the listener uh, could be like, oh, I can see how that might work for me or I can adopt some of these things or even try these things out. So uh, that being said, you know, finding connecting alumni I, I, and the big one is, Right now, if I had to look at the best strategy would be LinkedIn, right? Uh, why? Because we're in a global pandemic where people are on their computers. And I think your chances of actually maybe hearing from someone back would be a little bit higher. However, um, it's not the only way to connect with people, but it's like, I think it's definitely in the past year, I have actually experienced quite a bit of connections through LinkedIn. So the one thing I send to students all the time is if you uh, search University of British Columbia on LinkedIn, you'll go to the university page and I'm talking about on the desktop and you will see tabs and you'll see a tab that says alumni. And that tab is beautiful because it will actually have a database of the 229,000 alumni that are currently following that page. And so 
I think you can do a passive search where you're just like, as you're going to like IKBLC, you're like just typing in you know, terms and you just need to practice using the database because it goes to like right down to like where they live, where they work, like companies, et cetera, right? So you have to play around with that database, but what a great way to start identifying alumni and fields of interest. And what I love about it is in careers, we say you can't be what you can't see. So let's say I'm like, oh, there's Olivia and she's doing this thing. I can click on your profile and I can also see all the other things that you've done to get there, which might start increasing maybe some opportunities or other companies that you weren't aware of that you can even consider or put under, like get under your radar. So I like that passive one. And then once I kind of build up maybe some courage, I can maybe send out a note, a message or connect, but there's different ways to do it. I think it depends on where you are at in terms of your comfort of reaching out to people, because what's kind of buried in all this is it's scary to reach out to people, right? Or like, or to be rejected or to be ghosted or not to hear anything. So I just want to really push students to think about what are the ways that you can safely practice different versions of this right now. So, you know, someone might, it's just like, I'm going to follow this person, maybe like and comment some of their stuff before I reach out. There's different ways to build that. It's about building trust, really. So, um, yeah, LinkedIn. Another one is uh, Alumni UBC actually helps sponsor this. It's called 10,000 Coffees. Um, and that is a networking platform where it's, again, UBC alumni and students. And so great way to reach out and have these like kind of coffee chats again that are going to be online. So those are the two digital ones. But, you know, I had a student who they went to a Zoom conference for an association. They saw the keynote. They reached out to the keynote speaker afterwards saying, hey, da, da, da. like to me, you're trying to take some of those cold connections and turn them warm. Lots of ways to do that. And what's exciting to me, because I, I, I know that we can look at like, man, I'm stuck at home. I, I, I can't reach out to people or all these things are being denied to me. I want to flip it around for people to actually consider. What's really exciting to me is we've shown in the last year that distances actually don't matter anymore. You can have some great in, in engaging conversations with people in different time zones. So, you know, I'm an old man. Back in the day for me to be like, how could I do this? I could only look within maybe, you know, my family, friends, maybe some people at UBC, but I couldn't imagine of reaching out to someone who's in Italy doing research on, you know, whatever it is. Um, uh, that's quite exciting, right? So I hope that helps a bit. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting that you bring up this idea of connection, just because I know so many people feel sort of disconnected from their lives, but you're right. In a way, it is so much easier to connect with other people on the other side of the world, just because everyone is on their computer right now. So yes, you could always have sent so-and-so an email, even pre-pandemic, but now they're checking their email probably almost all the time. And so you are like, your likelihood of connecting with that person is way higher, which is super interesting. Yeah, yeah. And people like talking to students too. That's the mm -hmm. other thing. Like they're not, people are, are very empathetic towards students. They're not scared of you. They are open to talking to students for the most part. And here's the big one, Olivia. If you don't find someone who wants to talk to you, there are a billion people in this world. Like you, you will find someone, right? So, I, but I think it's hard when we get rejected or we don't like connect with the people that we want to. But I just say like, find your people, find, find the people who are going to say yes. And, Use your time there, right? Rather than convincing someone else to meet you. 
And there really are so many alumni that so do want to reach out to students and support students. Like I used to work at the alumni center. And so I would get a bunch of emails from alumni that are just saying, Hey, like, how can I talk to students? How can I be of help to you guys? Like I, this is what I want to be doing. And so they're, totally. they're out there. Yeah. I, we, in our LFS mentorship program, one of our mentors said they loved having mentorship this year because they were lonely. They were on their own. Right. And they were able to connect. And I think we forget about that too. There, people crave connections both ways, but it really starts with building trust, right. Starting somewhere. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, I think we underutilize and, uh, we don't leverage our alumni uh, enough, right? Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, Sort of on this note, um, when we are reaching out to someone, let's say it's on LinkedIn, for example, what kind of questions can be used to sort of break the ice with someone, start that conversation, engage with them in the first place? Yeah, the way I look at it is maybe you might want to consider making it more of a game, Olivia. Or again, if you're someone in science, you would say, I want to test out some hypotheses because what I like to do is I want to almost try to make it objective, even though subjective, you know, there's subjectivity involved. I want to try to make it objective because if I'm fixated on the results, I'm going to get maybe severely disappointed or not want to continue testing out networking, right? So imagine you do it once and it doesn't work out. We can go, oh, this, because you're not good at it in the first place. Like, oh man, why am I doing this? I I don't want to do this anymore. So I would maybe make it a game where you say, okay, I'm going to select these two people. I'm going to try this style of messaging. And then I'm going to use this style of messaging to another two people. But there are some common things you can maybe think about is think about time. You're already asking for their time. So trying to maybe send a message that is, giving them less time to like respond or figure out what you're asking. I think a lot, I get a lot of requests that are very broad. Hey, Rob, would love to talk to you about, you know, your career. It's like, okay. So it's not that I don't want to help you. I just, I don't even know how to respond sometimes. And I have to take some time and I don't want to respond in a, a poor manner. So you can see suddenly that becomes like, you know, oh, I'm going to set that aside and maybe I never even get to it. Right. It's kind of like, Olivia, imagine you had someone from your old high school. They say, Olivia, I saw, I saw that you're at UBC. Can you tell me how you got into UBC? What would be the challenge for you to like answer with that, Olivia? It's, it was just so many things. It wasn't just one thing that led me to UBC. It would have been a hundred different things. And I'm not, I'm not going to spend the time to craft a, a message back to that person saying, each and everything that would have got me to that place. So I think all you have to do is when you're about to send that out, say, okay, what does it feel like if I was receiving it? I go with a simple, like, be specific, like connect it to something. Hey, I saw your alumni, da, 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 da. And then maybe give them an exit clause. So specific can be like, hey, I'm wondering if you have 15 minutes to talk on the phone on these two dates, I understand you're super busy, just have a few questions about so-and-so, uh, but I totally understand if you you cannot do that, da, 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 right? So you're just trying to be, again, diplomatic. You're trying to honor their time. Uh, and again, if I receive that, that might increase the my chances to say yes, because I'm like, yeah, I could do that on the phone. You've told me, like, notice if you say, you know, pre-pandemic, if you say like, hey, can we meet up? I'm like, 
like at UBC in person, I don't want to do that, you know, like all these things happen, right? So um, I think that's a, just a great strategy of getting thinking like, are they asking you, how did you get into UBC? Or are they asking you like, hey, what's one involvement that was really helpful for you to like, then write in your profile, da, 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 right? Like getting a little bit more specific, like that insight that you can get from them. Like if you can Google or look on LinkedIn, and those are the questions you're asking, that's broad again, right? That's almost wasting their time too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really interesting what you said about um, like considering what you would want to receive as well, like what questions you would be comfortable ask, uh, answering and then mm-hmm. asking those questions because that, that, that just makes a lot of sense and that's a good perspective to put it in, I think. Yeah, it's not anyone's fault that we do the broad things because we're trying to be polite. Yeah. I don't want to impose. But what happens is it actually doesn't help the other person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is sort of changing the direction of the conversation now. But our next question is, how can students find out about internal job postings within a company um, or how they could approach maybe alumni for positions like that or referrals? Mm-hmm. Uh, the way I look at this more is because it's almost like talking about this, you know, students have heard about the hidden job market, right? Like, and it almost sounds like this nefarious thing, like I don't have access to. And in many ways, like, yeah, we could say that, like, you know, the, you know, the old school kind of in, if you look at socioeconomic and political things where like the country club, you know, you get access to different information, right? If you're part of like, you know, some certain associations, you're going to get some access. And I think, that still does exist in some ways, but I would also say that uh, to me, when I look at this, it's more just like, what are the multitude of strategies I'm using for my career? Cause your career is a wicked problem, right? There's not one way to like figure out what your career is. So let's go with this common strategy right now is I apply online, right? So if I apply online to a job, I'm going to send a resume cover letter. So Olivia, what do you think the the actual percentage success rate is if you apply online to getting hired? What do you think it is? The the, the numbers vary, but what do you think Mm. it is, success rate? Maybe 20%, maybe less than. It's anywhere from 2 to 5%. Yeah. Right? And and, and so when you actually say that number, it's not to discourage everyone listening. (laughs) It's to be like, okay, 2 to 2%, 5% success rate. That's if I rely just on using application. So either moving forward, I'm okay with this, utilizing that. I can maybe work on my resume and cover it. Certainly you should. But if that's my only strategy, you can see my success rate as I try to get to different jobs or pivot. It's, it's not really high, right? So then that goes to this, the internal job postings. What we're saying is I recognize that this is not just the best strategy. So what other strategies are going to utilize? So networking and then building relationships, building trust and referrals is another one. That takes time sometimes. It's not easy to do. But certainly when you start looking at the numbers of, okay, with a referral, that's sometimes even someone saying, hey, can you take a look at this application? That's it. You know, sometimes I'll, you'll see that number jumped up to like 20% in most cases. And then you'll read other information that, you know, a lot of the jobs, almost 70% aren't even available. Sometimes 80% uh, of these jobs get filled by someone you know or someone you refer to. Like you'll see various numbers. But this is what I really want to get to. You need to start with saying, okay, 
what are my strategies? If I'm going to go uh, apply online and I commit to this way, fine, because I don't have much energy or time and that's where I'm at. But you cannot then be surprised of like, oh man, I applied to 10 places I haven't heard back because we just said it's two to 5%, right? Like, you know, some people in WorkLearn, if I get a hundred applications on WorkLearn, you know what happens? I get a hundred applications. I have one position. I'm not going to look at a hundred. Everyone has their different tendencies. And I'll say, sometimes I do this. No cover letter, boom, gone. I get you down to like 50. Okay, who's generic cover letter? Gone, down to like 20. Then I might look at the resume and start doing that or vice versa. And then I'm getting it down to maybe 10 because I'm only probably trying to interview four or five people. That's five hours of my time, right? So you can see 200 down to five, that's 2.5%. Then of that five, one of you is going to get the job, right? And you can see, so that's like a 0.5% chance of actually getting hired. Again, why I want to say those numbers is because guess what? UBC students measure success. Olivia, for you, what do you measure success? Your grades and academics. Well, what is success for most UBC students, Olivia? Is it not? Grades and academics. Yeah, like 80, 90%, right? 70, 80, 90. So yeah. Think about it. All of you are working on 70, 80, 90% of success. Sunny, 5% success rate. <laughs> you know, the it's context environments, no, it changes. But see, if you yeah. don't recognize that, you can see, and I've done it, where we feel like we're a failure. Oh my goodness, I'm not getting anything, I'm not hearing back. And it goes back to this idea of like, you know, defeated in the job market. It is really hard, but you have to have a motivated mindset, which you're all equipped to do, because guess what? You've done that in your classes, right? How many times were, you know, there's that point in November, you're just like, I can't do this. Or, you know, there's that tipping point, right? But a lot of you figure out a way and soldier on, right? Or figure out how to study or get get back into the course, right? So I, I really think UBC students uh, are really, and you know, young graduates, you are actually geared to do this stuff. It, it's not easy. I wish it was, right? And I have great empathy for the struggle. When I had to search for a job, it's very, very stressful, but you have to stay kind of committed to that process, right? Yeah. So the referrals, back to that. Here we go. It's building trust. So it starts with where you are right now. Six, four of my last six jobs, I realized, came from references or referrals from people I went to school with at UBC like 20 years ago. You forget that your current uh, like peers, they're going to be working. They're going to be going elsewhere. So the way you're building your connections right now and how you maintain them, they are going to be something that you could actually utilize and draw upon in the future. You just don't know it yet. I think people think like, I got to get a network. You know what? In this day and age, most of you have greater networks than I, I have. How do I know that? Well, your Instagram followings are like in the thousands. Like it's casual. It's like no problem, right? Like there's no way people my age have those sort of numbers, right? Like you're just used to being connected with so many different people. You grew up in this digital age. So don't forget about growing your current network. But wherever you're working right now, it's again, how do you build trust? How do you have great conversations? How do you follow up with those sort of things? Because those impressions can actually help you down the road, right? You know, those yeah. references, those referrals. Um, I'm not good at interviews. I'm not good at resume writing. I, I'm certainly better because of my role. But, you know, when I look back at my career, I really was good at internal references because people saw me teach or they could see the work I did or they could see how I helped them out. 
And I really believe that that kindness gets paid back down the line. I just, but I'm not in it to be like, oh, this is going to help me, but it has, right? So my internal references and referrals have been a real big way of like building my career. And it's helped immensely. Yeah. That's something I haven't thought about is my peers eventually becoming my network. Yeah. <laughs> it's just interesting. And, yeah. And you can see, so if you're not spending some time cultivating those relationships or even the impressions you make on someone where you might brush them off or you're too busy, like, you know, I'm not saying you, you should go to your way to like, you know, over leverage yourself, but you can see like how you treat people now, it's going to really actually sometimes affect, you know, that network down the road. But yeah, I, I, I did the tally. It was like four out of six people, people that I maybe worked with, just went to school with, or they had an impression of me. I, I could have been a bad person afterwards. They don't know that, but they just had a good impression of me that they said, Hey, what about this job? Or you should consider applying this or, you know, some, some opportunities came my way that way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so true. Even for university students, I know so many people that have gotten co-op placements or, um, like summer internships because they have talked to their profs or like parents, like friends, parents who are in the industry they want to be in and just getting referrals that way as well. Super useful. Yeah. It's really about self-advocacy. Like my sister was very good at that UBC. I wasn't, I, I, I never used any resources. She would see her profs. She would talk like, but I realized she had a she has a she had a pattern of actually advocating for herself when I and I know I didn't and that really I know also affected my career but she's always been an inspiration to me in that way where she's always utilized the resources out there and leverage I remember one time she came home and she's like she collected all these bursaries right and things that were available to me but she like when you total up all these bursaries when she was going to first year, I'm, it was like thousands of dollars I'm like holy but she took the time and effort to find those out so, I mean, really what I'm getting to this question about, you know, internal referrals and that sort of stuff, it's like really just focusing on relationships and building trust um, and advocating for yourself. And, you know, it's cheesy. I always say to the students, like UBC's motto is two mess. It's yours. And what I love about that from a self-advocacy standpoint, there's so much here at UBC that's overwhelming. So it's like sometimes you've got to ask better questions of what you're looking for because it's yours to discover and find out and, and like what to be, get involved with. But, you know, I, I was, I was so overwhelmed until my third year when I finally got involved. Right. But, and so, you know, wherever you are is where you need to be with, but it's just like, again, what can you do differently moving forward? If that helps. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you brought up Tomb S because that's the name of our podcast. So yes, that's exactly that. what we're trying to do with yeah. this. And yeah, it's just yeah. a great connection you made there. Mm -hmm. um uh sort of on that note as well what about um like recent graduates or people that will be graduating into this job market now who may be feeling defeated just because of everything that's like the drastic changes that have happened recently do you have any advice for those people yeah i mean it's a tough market we know but uh, it's definitely i saw some numbers the other day with the canadian market the unemployment rates are already changing uh, pretty quickly um yeah i i don't know what i would say because it's hard right you know this this is the thing 
someone like myself, I can say lots of things. I would always be a little bit suspicious because when you have a job, it's easier to say these things, right? We forget sometimes what it feels like to be in a position again, graduating. So when I think about when I graduated with a lot of uncertainty, not sure what I was going to do, where I was going to work, um, yeah, it, it, it is quite a bit to kind of handle. And so I think of sometimes, again, just focusing on small actions, right? It's so easy to get overwhelmed by the scope and magnitude. And I think also like thinking about pride too. Like, you know, I think about, I was almost embarrassed sometimes. To, like I went to B-Ed, but everyone had thought I was going to go into med school, like most science. And, and you know, there's a, a few years I had to, I was almost embarrassed to say I was a teacher, because I was reconciling like the failure that I didn't get to something that I thought I could attain or that maybe family friends. And, you know, I wish I could go back, you know, hindsight's 2020, but I wish I could say, you don't, like, don't waste a lot of time about worrying about what other people are going to think at the end of the day, I have to carve out my career. Like I probably expended all this negative energy that could have been utilized in, in better ways. So uh, what I'm getting at is I, I can appreciate that someone's graduating like, oh, I'm a university educated, educated student. And now I'm taking this entry level job, right? Or I'm doing this that's not close to what I thought I should be doing. Um, I want people to aspire and dream high. But there's the, remember, your career is a long career, right? So sometimes if you need a survival job, or I like to say bridge job, right? You're bridging where I have finances, I have to do this. And to and and then you can still look as you go. Like, I think that's okay. So number one is like, sometimes identifying where those jobs are. Like, uh, there's a great um, uh, website, Warixa, W-O-R-X-I-C-A. It just shows you what all the job postings are in certain cities. So you can see all the job postings. Actually, I think UBC was number two when I looked at it yesterday. Um, so you get an idea of what's out there, right? Right now, the healthcare industry, food, food service industry, I'm talking about like healthcare food services. Um, there's lots of positions and part-time job and full-time jobs available. So maybe it's sometimes going into another area where you're still recognizing, okay, there's skills I can develop. There's uh, experiences I can have that are still going to, I'll be able to leverage for maybe some other industries, but also, you know, open to like, maybe it's a, like, uh, you know, a career that you hadn't thought about, but I think it's really hard sometimes where we're saying, I want to do this and then I can't do it. Um, it's almost, I know, sometimes a source of pride or frustration where like, oh, then I don't want to do this or it's maybe maybe beneath me. But I think it's okay right now to get a bridge job for whatever, three, six months. Or another one is wherever you want to be, just ask yourself, how can I get my foot in the door, right? So like a lot of us sometimes like say like, oh, I don't want to take this role. But sometimes like a great way is get in there build up your experience, build up your trust in that organization to then leverage to um, go up in the company. I, we did a panel with uh, some uh, environmental sustainability uh, people yesterday, and they talked about that. Lots of people get hired or they do a summer job. And then suddenly they're like, yeah, we like this person. And we're going to they, listen. If they identify you as good talent, they want to keep you. There's a big cost of losing good talent. And then the last one is like, sometimes it's going into like, maybe smaller companies, a startup, like there's pros and cons. But if you go into a startup, there's less resources, there's less stability, but there's way more responsibility that you're going to be given 
as opposed to going to an established company where, okay, yeah, there's more support, maybe even better wages and that sort of stuff. But I look at, again, what are you trying to actually get out of that and, and recognizing then the different types of roles that you could do. Like, do you want to be at an established place? Well, okay, great. But you're going to, everyone else wants to be there. So sometimes it's zigging when everyone's zagging, right? So, um, yeah. Yeah, that definitely answers my question. Thank you. Um, we're just finishing up now, actually. So last question is, do you have any final advice or takeaways you'd like our listeners to take away from this conversation? Yeah, I, I think, again, self-advocacy, right? Uh, self-advocacy appears in many ways in job search. And that's also networking for yourself. Um, and that's seeking out others. And that's why we go back to the networking and the alumni. So I, I want to share that with you. And again, reaching out to some of our services. So the Center for Student Involvement Careers, we're running lots of webinars right now, uh, career fairs that we have. So again, just putting yourself out there. But the biggest one is like, you know, two things, like have grace for yourself. Like we're sometimes very critical. We compare each other, like ourselves to each other. Um, it's okay that you don't know what you want to do, uh, but then take some action, right? And, and get some experiences and no, don't be worried. Like this is the thing that's going to now lead me to my career for the rest of my life. Right. So again, I think it's those two, like have grace for yourself, like, and then, you know, self-advocacy. So, you know, and encourage students again, to reach out to us, myself, my email is rob.kim at ubc.ca. Uh, there are surprisingly people here on campus who want to help all of you too, right? And I know it sometimes doesn't feel like that in this big space, but there are many of us who are trying to support all of you in different ways. One thing I've learned about UBC is you have to go find that stuff. It's all there. It's all there. You just have to look for it. And then once you've found it, you have this great support system. It's, yeah. you just got to look for it. Yeah, I wish it was easier, but that's the thing. Like sometimes we don't know that you even need something too, right? So it's that self-advocacy piece. And I, I think about that a lot, how I had lots of problems in university and I never used any resources. I had the idea like, oh, I'll figure it out on my own. I'm here to tell you, you don't need to figure it out on your own, right? So, but it's hard, it's hard. And so I yeah. just want to encourage everyone to like, again, just have a little bit of, um, you know, just push yourself a little bit in safe, safe ways, which is what you can do on campus. I mean, that's why I'm so passionate about UBC. And I know you are too, right? Of course, that's why we're both here, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, that's all the questions I have for you. So I'd like to thank you again for taking the time to chat with me today. And I know we all really appreciate the advice you have to give. So just thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it and love all the work that you're doing. And uh, really excited to see what the next year's team and the iteration is going to look like. Yeah, me, me too. <laughs> so that was my conversation with Rob Kim. I hope you all learned something from our conversation or at least had a couple takeaways. Thank you again for Rob for coming on the podcast. And also thank you for all of you for listening to today's episode of Tomb Est. We're so thankful for you for your continued support. I'd like to give a shout out to Mar Emmanuel, whose music was featured on today's episode. The song is called Yet to Come, and you guys should go check out his stuff. All these bittersweet moments. Now I'm walking from your front door